practice on this. All right. Hey, folks. It's the Anaguizdala. It's the Anaguizdala podcast. We are back after an almost month-long hiatus uh, through September. And it has been hectic, to say the least. Tons of things to get to in this episode. First and foremost, most importantly, upcoming tour dates in the UK. The 4th, the 6th, the 7th and the 8th of November. Three clinics, three concerts with the trio, with the new trio from the new album with Cliff Armon and with Tom Corley. Uh, and sprinkled in are these three uh, clinics hosted by A-B Workshops. One is in Bournemouth. Uh, November 4th, and one is at the Pizza Express. Pizza Express are letting us use the venue to host that clinic during the day on uh, November 6th. That's also the first night of our three three night run of shows. We're doing two nights at the Pizza Express and one night up at a venue called Peggy's Skylight, uh, November 8th, uh, with the trio also doing a clinic there for AB workshops again during the day. So all of those uh, or all, the, all those are on sale now. The clinics, the the concerts, everything is on sale at my website. Link below in the description of this video. Or if you're just listening somewhere in podcast land, that's yannickwasdala.com. I think it's for, forward slash tour. That makes the most sense. It's all there. They are all linked, all the tickets for sale. This is this is a big one, actually. It, it may seem like, oh, it's just three days in the UK. It's actually kind of uh really important to me like to make these first of all the 6th of uh of november at pizza express will be the first show we play as a band after the launch of the album it is basically the album launch party uh, i'm planning some merch things for that some we're designing some posters that i'm actually gonna have physical copies of with me gonna gonna bring a bunch of those i'm thinking about download cards with qr codes on them you know just a, a kind of a little package to be able to sell at the gig that commemorates the release of the album so anyone who's coming out to those shows will have something kind of special to take away with them that is completely related to this new music and this new album so there, a lot of things going on for that so it really is it, it may on paper look like as ah, just three nights in the uk but it's actually kind of a big deal so the more people we can get out there and absolutely 100 percent not a single seat empty in the in the house that would be that'd be freaking amazing so um if we can make that happen uh that would be fantastic we need absolutely need your help with that and um we, we had an amazing time the last time we were there i i have no doubt that it will be that um i'm just letting you know that from my side of things it's actually there's a, there's a quite some significance to it it's it's always amazing to put the album out and then play shows right afterwards we did it a little bit again last year after one way out came out but this is actually kind of close october 17th is our release date for this new album and yeah we'll be we'll be in the uk just two weeks later playing some shows first single was out last week while i was on vacation in the uk uh the next single is coming out tomorrow if this is launching on monday um, it will be, is it tomorrow or Wednesday? I can't remember, it's one day, <laughs> it's one day this week. Um, it's the 27th, whatever the 27th, whatever day the 27th of September is, the next single is out. It is a bitch of a tune to mix. Let me tell you, we've been going back and forth, me and Juan Pablo. It's complicated, it's not easy to play. It was rather, <laughs> the playing's done. It wasn't easy to play. It was one of those tunes that I wish we'd had two weeks to rehearse or an entire tour before we recorded it uh, to hit it, but no, um, it, it wasn't like that at all. It was really tough to play. It is even tougher to mix and get right and put it in its place in the in the bigger picture. As you will hear when the album comes out, as you'll hear, there are there are a lot of different things on it, and 
I think it all makes sense together. I've got the playlist and I know the songs that are going on there, all the rest of it. I think it makes sense together. Um, at least in my brain it does. Translating that to a mix, that is a whole different a uh, whole different ball game. So that's what we're deep in right now. So apart, aside, apart from the fact that I was literally on vacation in the UK last week with the with the family, with the wife and the kiddo, um, I was really like the, the shut down. Production was basically shut down here with the podcast and everything else. I was still kind of going back and forth and doing mixed stuff with Juan Pablo and deciding this and that. Where do we put that keyboard thing and this synth thing and more volume here, less volume. Like, you know, just all the things that go into a mix. That has kind of not stopped. Hence the sabbatical on the podcast, but, but we're back on, we're kind of back on track and I'm in the studio. I'm back home now. I'm not traveling for a little while, at least. Um, any fans in Hong Kong and China, uh, if you're out there, I will have posted those dates to my website. By the time this episode goes live, I'm going to be there the something like the 16th through the 25th, something like that of October playing in Hong Kong, in Shanghai and in Beijing. That is actually also with Cliff Armand, and my good friend Manuel Valera on piano, and um, and uh, is he from Hong Kong? Or is he from China? I'm not sure, but I think he's from Hong Kong. That's where we're playing first. I believe that's where he lives. This cat, Sai Leo, harmonica player, uh, pretty badass dude. Got a new record coming out. We're doing a little tour with him, so I'll be out there in uh, in Asia for uh, for about twelve days, playing some shows. Then come back briefly, and then we hit the UK. Um, and that, that's when it all kicks off for me. Like I said, the 4th is in Bournemouth, on the south coast. Um, the 6th and 7th at the Pizza Express. The 6th also has that AB Workshops clinic. And also um, November 8th at Peggy Skylight Clinic and concert same day. Um, something else I want to mention before we get into this. I'm, I, I'm sure a lot of you are aware. I put out a video a couple few months ago saying I'm selling all my bases and yeah, I really was. Sold so many. So many went out the door and I kind of wimped out when it got to the Goya. I was like, oh, do I, do I really want to get that? I am denied and it's still here. Obviously, I'm holding it in my hands right here. Anyone watching on YouTube, you can see I'm holding the damn thing in my hands. Um, I am still getting rid of it. It's definitely, it is leaving. It just hasn't done yet. I took it over to Juana Lorete uh, a couple of weeks ago so he could have a look at it. He has two of these bad boys. He has Kling, Josh Klinghoffer's old one and he has another one, like the red one and, and, and a kind of a teal one. And I took this one over and I got to say, I think we both agreed that this one sounded the best out of all three of them. And he was, he, despite having two of them already, he's a, such a massive fan of them. I was like, well, look, man, I'll wait for a minute <laughs> you know and give you first refusal he's like maybe i'll sell a base and eh. he wasn't a hundred percent on it but he wasn't a hundred percent whether he could do it but he definitely wanted the base so he's kind of has first refusal on it right now but it is still available it is actually up on my website for sale um i'm going to speak to him before this episode goes out so if it's still there on the website just want to let you know it is it is leaving um as much as i sort of had some almost seller's regret on it and that's why i just put it back in the case and threw it in the storage for a month or so i was like oh am i really ready to let this one go and yeah i got back from vacation and i was like yeah you know what i i actually am it is such a beautiful instrument and somebody randomly emailed me about it and was asking me about specs and i was like yeah i i, I love it i really love it i've played it on a ton of records but it hasn't seen any uh, hasn't seen any action in quite some time and I'm I'm ready to let it go and create some space 
for other stuff potentially coming in in the future. So that's that's up on the website for sale. Um, I don't I don't think I posted it to Reverb. It's just up on my website. And a six string that I have here. Um, this J Ferro Denair, I think is the model. Pretty straight ahead, double cup, six string, really solid bass actually. Kind of that low. I think it's four, 34 inch scale, so it's got that low singing kind of piano like B string, and um, it, it it kind of sings. It has some nice sustain in the top end as well. I always like the C string and the B string on this, um, but my hands are just not built for a six string. It turns out, especially on one like this, which I play extremely. I'm not extremely, but definitely the comments I get about my bass about the 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 string spacing. Um, it being 16.5 millimeter are always like, man, that's pretty tight. How do you play like that? Um, this is definitely not that. I don't think it's as crazy big as like 19, like a Yamaha or or anything like that, but it's definitely not 16.5. And this, the neck width, um, I don't have very big hands at all. So it never really, as, as nice a bass, as nice an instrument as it is, it never really suited me. Um, in terms of the net width. So that's another one. Those, those two are up on my website for sale right now. I just wanted to mention that and throw it out there. It's just been so long. I literally wrote myself a list here because there have been so many things going on. Um, like the pre-sale is obviously going on until the album comes out October 17th. I can't forget to mention that um, amazing support the last, uh, the last months with you guys getting involved in that. Cannot thank you enough. It really makes... It really makes the thing we're going through right now, the mixing and the technical thing and the, all the other stuff, the production and the inevitable sort of even like sort of leaks into the production of merchandising. It makes a bunch of other things possible. It allows me to add more things to the package, to the value of the product at the end of the day. So I really, I very much appreciate that. Um, while I was in the UK, this is something I have to report on. While I was in the UK, I did sneak in kind of a half day of work. Well, it was meant to be a half day. It would have been a half day. I actually only worked for a half day, but London, as I'm sure all of you listening from there are well aware, I wasn't because I haven't lived there for 25 years. London is fucked. Um, <laughs> I was staying out, um, just out by the M25 in a place called Leatherhead. If you're listening from Mongolia, that might not make a lot of sense, but you can look it up on a map. It's really not that far from central London. It's, uh, I don't know, 10 miles. Or so. It's really not that far. And it took two hours and 17 minutes to drive from the house into Soho. I was, um, I made an appearance on the, I did a shot of video. Like it's like one of those, um, one of those videos that uh, SBL has been doing on the main channel. They did one with Guy Pratt. They did one with Henrik Linder. Um, they've done a few of these sort of bigger productions. It's kind of the podcast. It's like that style of interview, but it's a slightly bigger production. It's obviously not on Zoom. It's in person. There are some, like I mentioned in my blog recently, there's the string change challenge, which I did. And it's just a long, much longer form thing than, than I believe their, their podcast normally is. Like I've checked out a few episodes of, of the SBL podcast, like audio episodes when I'm on the go. And they tend to be, I don't know, I, I want, shit, I should check out some more. I haven't really checked out enough to, to comment on it definitively, but I get the feeling it's kind of an hour long thing, sometimes even less. I know the one I was on, Earlier in the year, when I looked, I was curious. I looked on YouTube and I looked at the episode. I was like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of much longer than they normally do. And I think we did 
just shy of maybe an hour and 45 minutes, something like that. This one, it was just me and Scott. And it was, I, I want to say we did the podcast portion and it was two and a half hours. It was proper like Joe Rogan or your mom's house or one of those kind of comedy podcast lengths. We definitely got into some shit and uh, talked talked for some time. And then he wanted he wanted to shoot this other video. I, I guess they're making a series of videos called The Baselines That Made Me, something along that line something along that that kind of concept and um i sent them in five baselines ahead of time and say hey these baselines were really important to me when i was growing up so we shot another video that was almost an hour long just on its own i'm sure they'll edit that way down um but yeah that that even that on its own was 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 super long as well so two videos coming out on the sbl main channel shot both of those in london and as i say it was only a half a day's work but the drive to and from the studio, especially with the family in tow and parking in central London. Oh, man, what a drag. I really feel for you guys and girls who have to do that. I'm sure a lot of you just do it on the train and don't bring your family to the to the session. But we didn't really have a choice. We wanted to move around and be in London and do all that stuff. So, yeah, it was uh, quite the experience. And um, nice to be in Dean Street Studios again. I hadn't been there in well over 25 years, since it was Joe and Co., since it was like Paul Hart's place. Um, or did he own it? Or was I just there doing a session for it? I don't remember, but I, I know I was around Paul Hart and his son, George Hart, fantastic drummer that I used to know back in the day. I haven't seen him in a long time. But um, yeah, it was kind of a little nostalgia going on there. I used to go go up there. And of course, I used to work at Ronnie Scott's right around the corner. So it was just always in that part of town. Super nice to be back. Um Another thing that's kind of in in the is an option before the end of the year. I talked to Ian Martin Allison recently about doing filming some things specifically on the HX Stomp for bass players. So I want to get your feedback on that and see if there's something specific that jumps out. You're like, oh, I've always wanted to ask you or Ian a question about the Stomp because I use it. I, I, I believe he uses it a lot. Um, I've seen a couple of videos that he's done uh, about it. So I was like, oh, this might be called, I, I think we use it in quite different ways as well. I think that's what will make it interesting is when you have two people using the same thing, but in different ways, I think we can bounce ideas off each other. Like, so I have a bunch of ideas of stuff to shoot with him. Maybe there's something you've been thinking like, oh, what is this? Or how do you do that? Or why would you use it for this and not that and blah, blah, blah. So let me know. Drop some comments below the YouTube video. I'd love to hear from you. And potentially we could make that happen sort of early December, we were talking about. just going, We just went back and forth on text very briefly this week. Um, so that would, be, that would be interesting to get your, to get your feedback on that, hear what you might want to hear from us. Um, another thing uh, which is sort of developing, besides an incredibly dry throat because I haven't done this much talking, on my own in some weeks. Um, another thing that's developing is a slight delay in the release of sort of the the movie, the documentary, the behind the scenes thing that is going with the new album. Because I didn't really feel like we got enough footage for the narrative in the studio. Um, and we didn't really get... So we played a show down there, which I was really looking forward to. Like, oh, we're going to have this amazing contrast in the documentary about the live show and how these tunes came together and then the studio. And then it ended up, of course, of course, why, why didn't I know this ahead of time? What is my first day on the job? Of course, it ended up 
way more hectic than than that. It wasn't just breezing in and, oh, great, we'll talk about the live show, we'll talk about this. No, it was kind of full on. Like, as soon as we got there, we had all this really complicated music to learn that I'd written. And before we knew it, the whole thing was over. And I was like, oh, I kind of missed a bunch of things. So what I am afforded by the time in the UK with these three shows, and I guess this adds to how kind of important they are for me and, and having you guys and girls out there supporting this music is, is a massive part of, of what makes of what gives an extra vibe to to the documentary i think because i'm going to be filming in london to get a way more sort of in-depth look at this trio me cliff and tom playing live and what kind of goes into that and the being able to get the perspective of the album being recorded, mixed, mastered, and out, like literally released, and then playing live shows. I, I didn't get that chance before with One Way Out. It was a very much three days of filming, and then I edited that information and made the documentary out of it like that. So I'm giving myself an extra, I guess it would be a month or five, six weeks or something after the album comes out to release the, the big video, the feature-length video, um, really happy that it will now include some incredibly high quality and in-depth behind the scenes footage of the live thing as well as the studio thing with these tunes and just the challenges that will inevitably face us trying to play this music live some of the tunes we're simply not going to be able to so there there are a lot of moving parts like that and it's a massive learning experience for me I mean, even this, however many albums I am into my career and however many years or decades now I am into my career, it's still a massive learning experience. And every time I sort of put pen to paper and create new music, it creates new challenges, um, which is a, to me is a great sign. That's very fulfilling. That might be the most fulfilling thing is that I can still put pen to paper and come up with things that will challenge me and us as a band or whoever I'm working with. That is really encouraging and highly motivating and at the end of the day, very fulfilling. Um, so yeah, I'm really sort of excited to pump the brakes a little bit on the production of the video now in order to have that footage to add to the studio stuff and put out something, I'm guessing like, I want to say probably give myself to the end of November. Um, I'll get home the 9th and give myself a couple of weeks to sift through the footage, create, you know, the new part of the, of the story from that footage. And then, and then uh, color and grade and everything and edit the, edit the video. And then of course, all these singles coming out, well, all of them, three of them at least, Nightwatch, thank you very much for checking that out. That came out while I was in the UK. That was all sort of mixed and mastered and ready to go with the video before I left and it just auto-launched. So I appreciate that. If you haven't seen it, I'll link that in the description below and in the show notes. Um, yeah, it's it's nice seeing and hearing that stuff come to life and knowing that you, at least for me, like I, as I always say, I, I don't play for the audience in the studio. So when I hear that back and I'm satisfied with it and I, I'm proud of what we did, that's a that's a huge win. And the fact that a bunch of people, you know, checked it out and it's got some thousands of views now and lots of positive feedback is is always a nice bonus. That's never the that's never the goal, but it is a very nice bonus. And it's yeah, I very much appreciate that. I hope you know that. Um, and there's another one coming out, like I said, this week and a third single 10 days before the album. So October 7th, we went September 17th, September 27th, October 7th, and then finally the album on October 17th. And um, 
yeah, I'm looking forward to doing some more things I've never done before with my own music, like playthrough videos, having the tracks and being here in my studio and just playing, you know, taking out the bass as as the playalongs will be for the for everyone who's involved in the pre-sale, like I said. And yes, those playalongs are going to be available after the album comes out. They're not going to be at this cheap price. <laughs> Cheap is all relative. I know. I've had feedback on that. Um, but they, yeah, definitely if you're on the pre-sale, that is the cheaper way to do it because I will be putting a package together that's sort of significant, significantly uh, higher priced once the album is out. So the pre-sale is always the cheapest way to do it. And yeah, just like basically using those play-alongs to make some videos here and show you a kind of up close in a more controlled environment and uh, for those people who care or those people who nerd out and, and want to see the, the nitty gritty, like the real details, the still shot on the, on the fingers and, and see kind of what goes into playing some of these, some of these weird things that I wrote for the band um, and for myself to play. Uh, yeah, for, for those of you who are interested in that, I'm going to be doing some playthrough videos. I see a lot of the prog guys doing that. In fact, like a whole band, like a periphery or a, um, have I seen animals as leaders do it? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those bands do it. And like each person in the band does a playthrough video, a drum playthrough, bass playthrough, guitar playthrough. It seems to be like, uh, you know, a, a good way of spreading the word about the music, especially if people are going to come to the music through it being an instrument specific thing. Like I never, you know, obviously the music hasn't been written. It's not like a bass feature. That's definitely not my concept but if people are looking for bass music and things they dig from bass players maybe that's a nice way to help introduce more people to the music so i'm going to be try i'm going to try doing that this time another like i said first time thing and i have i wish i could talk about this shit right now in this episode can't do it but i have a kind of a massive announcement next week something uh yeah just really big in um in terms of Shit, it's, it's so hard to even say anything about it without giving it away. But yeah, it's a big one. And um, no, I'm not like playing with uh, with Sting or anything like. This. It's not like a, I'm not about to go on the road for two and a half years. I'm I'm not doing the Pink gig or something. So you know, I'm not doing the Ramazzotti tour or something. Um, it's not that, but it's uh, it's, it's big for me. Um, and just a a big step, a big leap to take. Um, took a lot of, uh, it was a lot of years coming and um, feel really good about it. And I'm really psyched to share that with you. Um, yeah, other than that, we are, now we're sort of, now I can relax. Like that's all the information, that's all like the catch up, the details of the last two weeks kind of, are now out there tour dates merch clinics uh pre-sale all of that stuff the bases that are going to be hopefully leaving and going to a better home i'm sitting here looking at them and i don't feel sad about it either that's that's a nice feeling i'm like i can't wait to get these out of here and know that they're going to a better home so the also the inquiries i've had about them you know the goya is a special thing when people are asking with the with the types of questions people are asking about it had someone email me recently saying they had a few kind of few bases in that in that lane, sort of short scale. There was a Fender Music Master on the list. There were some really nice instruments that they listed, and they were saying, "Yeah, this this kind of really fits in my 
in my collection. It's not a mass appeal instrument by any stretch of the imagination. It's really, really specific and really niche. So I'm, I'm really psyched that I, I know it eventually will go to someone like that who's really looking to put it in the right place and they, they're getting it for the right reasons. And, you know, they're obviously a fan of old school, vintage, short scale, short scale instruments. And this is a, this is a weird one. This is like not your everyday player. Uh, there are some instruments in my collection that I could definitely say, oh, if I had to, I could just play this instrument for the rest of my life. I don't think this is this is one of them. Of course, I'd make it work if I really had to, but um, it's just been a nice flavor over the past 10 or 12 years that I've had it. And uh, yes, there will be some sadness on some level to see it go, but definitely it should be being played by someone. Um it's not like crazy put it in a case collector's item thing. You know, that would be sad if somebody just put it away in a case and never played it. It's definitely, it's not cheap. Don't get me wrong. It's not cheap, but it's not priced in that ridiculous, you know, doctors, lawyers type of, you know, money who are just going to collect it and never play them. So I'm pretty sure it will see the light of day and it will see some gigs and see some people and, and stages and, uh, and be recorded for many years to come. So very, very happy about that. Um, also, you know, having gone back to the Matteson and played it on the whole record and, and as we mix the record and I hear it really showcased in so many different ways. Like when you hear this record, you're going to say, oh shit, like that's one bass. Like I'm listening, I, I played it. I know exactly what it is. And I'm sitting here listening to the mixes and the roughs going like, holy shit, that's one bass. And that makes me, that makes me really happy. Like there's no, no, no other way to put it. It just makes me really happy that I found the thing I can do kind of, well, at least on this record, everything I needed to. Um, I don't doubt that in the future on some of these big projects where I go and travel, I will want to take multiple bases. I almost took multiple bases on this one. I almost took like the Triple P or something or the Henrik Linder with me as another option. Really glad I didn't in hindsight because there was just too much going on. But if I get the luxury of giving myself even more time on an album next year on whatever the big project is in 2024, um, I think I mentioned before that I'd really love to go to Norway or Japan for the next one. Let's see. I really want to make a live in Tokyo record. That is such a big that's so high on the list of priorities in terms of uh, my discography and recording and plans that I have for that. I would really like to work with the Cotton Club or the Bluno or just rooms I've played a lot, a lot of times before and take Juan Pablo with me and, you know, matching him with the incredible infrastructure they have at those, those venues already for recording. Um, I think we could come up with something quite special and the luxury of, you, you know, okay, so we don't get lockout days in a room to experiment like you would in the studio. It's not like I go and play three nights at the Cotton Club and I'm getting three chunks of eight or nine hours. No, of course not. But it's the the consistency and I think the how comfortable you get with exploring on stage, which is a completely different trajectory to to being in the studio. Those are just two completely different skill sets. And I like putting them together a little bit, like kind of crossing the streams a little bit on those two concepts, studio and live. And I like pressure as well. I like working under pressure. 
I like it when the red light's on and you have the one shot to get it. I really, I dig those. I, I thrive under those kind of situations. So that's always, you know, knowing that about myself is always a, a good motivator. And then just, you know, I've worked with Tom many times before and I've worked with Cliff uh, even way more even because we've known each other a long time and worked on so many different gigs and, and recording stuff before. And now having spent these this time with them both together as a, as a unit in the studio, it gives me just an unbelievable amount of confidence as to what we can accomplish together in kind of any situation and how great a foundation they are as a band and how I might want to augment that with voices or with horns or strings or whatever that might be in the future. Yeah, really. I've got another dozen album ideas blasting through my head sort of every week at this point. I have a big, long like Apple note just for discography, just for future recordings. of oh, So many ideas I keep having. And I, I just look at how old I am. <laughs> I look at the year I was born and think, fuck, there is not going to be enough years left to do it. So, yeah, it's another motivator to just be like eyes down, get to it, you know, do it just do as much as you possibly can as long as you're having fun doing it. And as long as you're surrounding yourself by the right people, um, had a had a little hang this morning with my buddy Mike League, um, of the band Snarky Puppy. I'm sure you all know uh, Mike League, fantastic bass player, good friend of mine, and recent uh, convert to the world of tennis. I guess he played a little high school. He was telling me today, but like over the last year, him and a few of the guys in the band, in fact, Justin Stanton. That's his last name. I don't want to fuck it. I think it's Justin Stanton, right? Keyboard player. I think he also plays a little trumpet in the band. Um, they're pretty crazy about it. They shot, I went to pick them up at the tour bus. They're playing in LA tonight. I went to pick them up this morning, take them to hit at the courts. And uh, they rolled out like they were walking <laughs> walking out for the quarterfinals of fucking Wimbledon. Big pro bags and shit. I was like, oh, okay. We're not fucked. These guys are into it. They might not be Rafael Nadal, but they're, man, they're they're both sweethearts, first of all. So that's always a good place to start. And they're just into it, which is, I, I love to see that. I was talking to Justin a little bit about that. Like, yeah, so, you know, when the fuck did being outside and exercising feature uh, for us, any of us in the last 20 years, as 25 years or whatever, as musicians on tour, that's just not what happens. You end up with a fucking Heineken and a kebab in, you know, Stuttgart at fucking two o'clock in the morning after the gig on the road for the 10th night in a row. Like that's normally what it used to be, at least for me in my twenties and, and touring a shitload. So I always love to see that like serious musicians also serious about like being healthy and doing something different from music. It was a real, it was a joy to see and um, fun hanging with them. We hit for two hours, two on one, uh, a lot of it <laughs> gave this old man a workout, which was great. Um, and I hope we get to do it again, especially in Europe on the clay. And those guys both live in Europe. So, yeah, nice to broaden the tennis slash musician network a little more. And just, you know, see friends. I haven't seen Mike in so long. Um, just good to be out there hanging and shooting the shit. So, that was a nice little aside. Nice little um, kind of 
uh, just an, a, a nice little change of pace today to, to, to go out there with those guys. And I realized like working on the album as much as I have, uh, have been doing and just work in general and podcast and uh, YouTube and actually being a bass player and practicing and going on the road and all that stuff I've done. And of course the, the big one that takes up most of the time is the family is the, is the baby is the kiddo. Um, I've realized I hadn't done anything that social in like, like my daughter's going to be two this week. And so in two years, I haven't really done anything that social. And today, although it was hard work and we were like really hitting some balls and we, we, we made the most of our two hours on court, it was nice to get out and be social. And obviously I didn't know Justin, so that was meeting something new, meeting someone new, but nice to be out there with Mike, who I know for a minute now. Reminded me that, oh shit, maybe I should go and do that a little more often. And, um, yeah, really nice vibe. And early on a Sunday morning in Los Angeles, holy shit. If only every day was like that here. Cruised into downtown like it was nothing, no traffic. I was like, wow, this place would be livable if there were like 80% less people living here. <laughs> and still it's better than London. Unfucking believable So the quest for the perfect place to live still continues. Um Something I talked to Scott Devine a bunch about. I was talking to Mike Lee about it today because he lives in Spain. Justin lives in lives in, in Portugal. So, yeah. For me, LA is no longer it. That's for sure. I, and, and it never was. I never moved here to be the next, you know, Sean Hurley or Nathan East or, or studio person, basically. Um, and as I was moving to LA full time, I was getting out of the full-time touring as a sideman in pop and R&B and rock and all that stuff as well. So it was never for that either. It was just a better alternative to New York in terms of quality of life. But now it's like, yeah, I'm getting older, <laughs> as we all do, and definitely at a, at a point in my life where I would like to put LA in the, uh, the rearview mirror a little bit, move somewhere with a little more space, um, maybe some better food, maybe less guns. I don't know. <laughs> there are a bunch of factors that go into it, especially when you're a dad as well. I'm sure I'm preaching to the, to the choir and a lot of, to a lot of people here. And then to a lot of people, I'm sure you live nowhere near a city like LA. And perhaps you don't know what it's like, um, being around, being around this kind of thing. And it's, uh, it's a bit of a, bit of a madhouse, and it's putting it mildly. Anyway, I, I could go on for, I could do a whole other podcast and like where the best place to live in the world as a musician is. And it would be different for every single person listening to the podcast as well. It's interesting. I've been teaching some lessons um, when I've been home. By the way, I didn't mention that, did I? There are some, there are some slots, weekly slots open. I've opened up like three or four slots a week, one hour slots um, for lessons, for bass lessons. But more interestingly, I've been speaking to a lot of people, and yes, they are mainly bass player, mainly bass players, a um, few exceptions to that, but mainly bass players. But what we actually end up getting into tends not to be like, oh, this technical thing or that harmony thing or this bass specific thing. It actually tends to be more like, okay, what what am I doing here? What do I need to do Like besides practice? We all know we need to practice. We all know we need a direction and we need to have music we love and all of those basic things. But what about all the other stuff? So it's actually been more of like an office hour. I feel like a bit of a consultant. It's been kind of really fun. Um, 
and, and I it was totally kind of unexpected that the conversation just started out with, oh, well, I'm working on, you know, what is this thing called love or some tune? And then five minutes later, we're talking about, well, have you thought about, you know, where you live and who you're around and do these people make you happy? And is this the music you want to play? And well, there are these other five places that maybe you didn't think about, but you actually have access to. They're not too far. Just like logistical things, business things, marketing things. Uh, I hate to use the word branding. I don't think we've actually talked about branding at all as a thing, but just creating a scene and what it takes to create a scene because it's no longer enough to just be a bass player just be a musician i don't think i i see very few people under the age of 50 plus doing that um really just 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 playing an instrument full-time for a living um and having any prospects of like a future and a retirement and living a healthy, long, happy life. That, th- those things don't seem to go together. But if you can be a little more aware of some options, um, and I, I, from these conversations I've had with students and people who have come to me and taken these slots and we've spent an hour on Zoom or, or whatever talking, uh, is pretty clear that um, – I've, I've encountered a lot of people who are quite lost in that sense. And it's been amazing to just sit through and like sift through, you know, go through the questions and actually me ask them a bunch of questions and hear their situation and, and highlight just that thing from the outside. I know I could benefit from the same thing as well. I'm sure there's somebody who could look at my situation and be like, well, what about this, 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 and this? And I'd be like, holy shit, I'm right in the middle of it and I didn't see it. So that's been really interesting to be that, you know, that sort of macro view of somebody else's situation and offer some advice. Um, so that's been cool. So don't get it twisted like the It can be a base lesson, of course. These hours are open for everything, um, everything bass and music related. But don't sleep on the fact that we could actually be talking about a whole, uh, the whole all the other aspects of your life and your career and trying to help you move forwards with that because you can play bass as, as amazing as, as as anyone but if you don't have all the other shit together it's going to probably going to mean very little at the end of the day or it might mean a huge amount to you but nobody else will know that it's going on so again it all depends on like some people are very happy to sit there and just play for themselves and that's amazing but most of the interactions i've had over the past few months with these private one hour one-on-one things it's just like, fuck, man, what do I do? Like, what am I doing wrong? What could I do more of? You know, uh, show me some other options. And that's been awesome. Bit, getting old sucks in a lot of respects. But one thing uh, I, I do have is just experience. And having been to a shitload of places in the world and experienced them from all angles and at different stages in my life and my career as well. Obviously, I'm not 80, 90 years old. I don't have that level of experience. There are people far more experienced out there than me that much i am well aware of but where i'm at now is not a bad place apparently because we we made some definite headway with with a bunch of these cats uh, apparently not a bad place for giving some advice for forward motion and uh and it, it, at the same time i as i say things out loud when i'm looking into somebody else's life i'm like oh you know what you idiot <laughs> take your own advice dum dum and uh, it's actually given me some great feedback as well so it's uh it's kind of just a win-win situation for everyone so that's been really fun um by all means i'll link them in the in the in the description below the youtube video you can go check out an hour with me let's 
That sounds so weird. Um, but it is available. Um, and yeah, like I said, the new single coming out, holy shit. It's in nine. The working title is nine plus four because it's actually a little bit of nine and four. Uh, I've been playing this tune with Steve Smith in Vital Information called eight plus five. That's what I was just trolling him a little bit on calling it that. It's not in 13, but it is the use of nine and four in different sections, shall we say. And was quite the challenge to put together. And we have like T minus two days to finish this mix and get it arranged and, and out there to you. And the video edit's done. That looks great. Chelsea came down. She's like, whoa, that, that looks super cool. I was like, oh, thank you. She rarely praises anything I do. Um, I guess that's just because she hears it all the time. And maybe that's her job as well, is to kick my ass. So um, the fact that she was like, oh, man, that looks really cool. I was like, oh, we might be onto something here. Um, so on that note, on that positive note, I will leave you uh, with with all that information. Don't forget all of the tour dates. Yannickwasdala.com. Um, yeah, cannot wait to be out there with the trio. That is all eyes are on that. And and of course, the three clinics while, we, while we're there for AB workshops. They're solo clinics for me. Um, Bournemouth, London, and Nottingham. The 4th, the 6th, and the 8th. Those are all the clinics. They are all linked below. And uh, yeah, that's it. Appreciate you hanging out. Your patience with the sabbatical while things were just crazy busy and vacation happened. Um, any of you out there with a two-year-old know that you go, you travel super far. If you've traveled 10 and a half, 11 hours on a plane with a two-year-old, you know that it's actually not really a vacation. <laughs> Even if you see family and you do this and you do that, it's, it's it, yeah, it was it was a lot of work. So but we'll, we will take a real vacation one day. Um but yeah, that that was that was where we're at. Appreciate your patience with that. Thanks for making it this far into the podcast. Uh, that's it. See you next week. 